Hello, welcome to I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. And I am John Oates. <laughs> well, now you've, you've spoiled. You've spoiled. You know what? I was thinking about it the other day. Like, we do this thing where we, like, try and drag out who the topic is. Right. But by the time it's uploaded, people are clicking on it. And they, they already, yeah. So, like, yeah. they they already know that it's, it's Hall & Oates. Those months I spent practicing a drum roll. All for naught. <laughs> nothing. Um, let me introduce today's guest. I'm, I'm excited to have her. Almost as excited as she looks to be on here. What are you What are you reading your email? I was sending a text that I they could have waited. Honestly, <laughs> our guest today is a very funny actress and comedian and writer. And uh, all around, just bad bitch. I love, she's one of my favorite drinking wingmen on the planet. Yeah, I got a wooden leg. (laughs) Say hello to Jenny Saldana. Hey, Jenny. Thanks so much for coming on. I know it's weird. I always like I bring people on like they're comics at a show. But so you say it, I'm just expecting applause. Right. And uh, behind the boards today, we have uh, no Kahuna, but we're we're joined by the big boss, Ming Chen. Uh, what's up, everybody? Hello, the big boss. Thanks for joining us today, sir. Damn, dude, I'm not that big, but uh, you can't see me, so yeah. I might as well be. Um, oh, there's like a there is like a, a silent. There's like an omin, omin, ominous person. The voice of God. Yeah. 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 Ming 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 runs the boards for us. He 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 puts all this together. Got it. Got it. So so the talent can just show up and, yeah. and talk. Just those beautiful people. Just that's sex. right. Yeah. <laughs> Get our makeup done and go. All right, Chip. Well, the the cat's out of the bag. We yes, are. We're is. talking. Both I'm gonna. The cats. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do it right. It's Daryl Hall and John Oates. Yeah, it's that's actually the first thing I wanted to say. So I'll give you everybody the quick rundown, uh, the history of Hall and Oates, or what they actually are named, Daryl Hall and John Oates. Because if you look at any album cover, it's never Hall and Oates. It's Daryl Hall and John Oates because they are two individual men, and they didn't want to just be th- thought of as like the Everly Brothers, the Righteous Brothers. They were their own guys. So real quickly. Daryl Hall, H-O-H-L, Daryl Hall, as as he was born into, uh, born in Pottstown, right near my hometown, right outside of Philadelphia. John Oates, born in New York City. Uh, They met when they were both students at Temple University in Philadelphia at the Adelphi Ballroom in Philly in 1967. uh, Daryl was the head of a band called the Temptones. And Oates was the the head of a band called the Masters. They were at a band competition, like a battle of the bands. They're they're both of their own bands. They don't know each other. Gunfire started between two rival gangs, apparently, at this ballroom. And um, the, everybody scattered. They ran to the same service elevator. And they're like, hey, look at us. We're buddies now. They found out that they both went to Temple. They both like the same music. So they became friends. They, they started living together. Uh, they didn't start. They were working on their own projects for a while. But then after a while, they formed uh, the duo basically in 1970, a couple years later after college. Um, they went on and uh, they were trying to get their music out there. They were they were great. They just had a great chemistry. Uh, they met a young upstart at a record company who really wasn't a name at all. Uh, but his name was uh, he went by the name of Tommy Matola, just a, a young little nobody named Tommy Matola who loved them. And it was like, I, I will manage you. 
And so this young, basically like underling at, at some talent agency, uh, brought them to fame. He signed them with Atlantic records in the early seventies. Uh, they put out the albums, whole oats, abandoned luncheonette and war babies. Uh, no singles came from that. They weren't really that successful as far as, uh, you know, selling records, uh, and it was almost because they were too good. They were too versatile. They were a soul band. They were a folk act. They were a rock act. They were almost a little too uh, diverse. They, they couldn't really, people couldn't really pigeonhole them. Like, what are they? You know, because they, they had all these different sounds. So they left Atlantic Records in uh, the mid 70s. In 75, they, uh, they signed with RCA and they released the album Daryl Hall and John Oates. That's when the song Sarah Smile came out. Uh, Sarah Smile was actually a B side. And uh, just some DJ in Cleveland decided to play it and it just blew up, went just crazy. And that became uh, their first big hit uh, in 1976. They uh, released an album and they re-released the song She's Gone because She's Gone was written in those first few years, but it never got much play, even though other people covered it. Um, and then uh, a year or two later, Bigger Than the Both of Us came out when uh, Rich Girl was on that album and was their first number one hit. Rich Girl just blew up uh and then there was a few years of them just kind of working stuff out trying to figure out in the late 70s they put a band together including ge smith who most people know as uh the guitarists in the saturday night live band for decades uh he was he was hired as well as some other uh, uh t-bone walk and, and a few other people um and then really 1980 happened and 1980 is when paul and Oates exploded uh the album voices came out they wrote, produced, and arranged it themselves in just a month. Uh, Kiss on my list was number one. You Make My Dreams Come True was number five. Uh, Every Time You Go Away was on that album, which they didn't make a lot of fame with. But uh, I think I, is, I think is that's that, actually the beat. Is that a season desist from Tommy Mottola? Yeah, that is, Tommy Mottola is like, no, Sony Music is... is but it's a scam call. I can't even stop it. If I pick it up, it's a scam call. I can't pick it well, up. Are we going to be flagged for like, uh, for, for, uh, 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 for, for, for music that... Uh, we can't use on there. I love it. Oh, I got to disable that. I don't know how that happened. I apologize. Guys. Oh, that's right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so then we get into the 80s. And uh, in 1980s, uh, they, 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 in 81, they released Private Eyes, which, of course, had Private Eyes and my favorite song of all time. I can't go for that. In parentheses, no can do. Um, and then between 1980, basically in the early 80s, between 80 and 85, uh, they had Hits like, again, Private Eyes, I Can't Go For That, Did It In A Minute, Man Eater, One On One, Say It Isn't So, Adult Education, Out Of Touch, Method Of Modern Love. They had overall 12 top 10 hits from 80 to 85. They are the most successful duo in pop music history. And uh, that, uh, and, and then uh, they just sort of went away. They just sort of like decided, we're done. Let's, uh, let's pack it in for a while. And uh, they've been back many times throughout the decades, and we'll kind of get into that. But... Uh, that was uh, they were in charge of the world from 1980 to 1985. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a snapshot of Daryl Hall and John Oates. They um, well, that that was very well done. Thank you, Chip. I want to thank, thank you, Ken. <laughs> I want to talk about I think it's so funny that they met uh, avoiding like a gang shooting. In yep. Philly. Yeah, yeah, in Philly, which uh, they they um, they're hiding in the same service elevator. And then it's just like, how do you even strike up a conversation after you've just 
run for your life. Like they they ran for their lives and then got in an elevator and were like, hey, do you yeah, like let's start a band? Yeah, do yeah. you like do up? <laughs> I do like do up. And that's literally as somebody who is a native Philadelphian, literally the most Philadelphia story ever out there. Like the only thing that would make it better is if they went and got cheesesteaks afterwards. Like that's the only thing that would make it more Philly than than that scenario right there. <laughs> Um, I like that it was 1967 and nothing has changed in Philly. No. Oh, God, no. Nope. <laughs> that's Still probably that. I'm guessing that's how most bands in Philly started was from mm-hmm. was from Duck and Gunfire. Yeah. Well, I know that like the race wars in uh, in Philly were so big. They brought in the National Guard a few times because yeah. of gang. Well, because of like fighting. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's pretty. uh that's funny. I picture them like stepbrothers in that service elevator. Like, do you like do up? <laughs> do you want to do karate in the garage? Did we just <laughs> become so best activities? friends? Yeah. <laughs> oh, when do I kiss? Well, you know, that's. Um, we moved in together. I want to know when they kissed. That's. Uh, that almost happened on uh, what album was it? Was it was it Daryl Hall and John Oates where uh, everybody thought that that was. That was they 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 uh, the photographer who shot the Ziggy Stardust album cover, you know, the the great David Bowie glam album. They get the same photographer to shoot one of their album covers. I want to say it's voices, but I'm going to check. Yeah, and yeah. they shoot them very adronymously. Did I ah. say that right? So now because. It's a duo and you have these these two heavily made up fellas on the album cover. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do make the assumption that they are lovers. Yeah, I believe it is the the album Daryl Hall and John Oates. OK. Yeah. And um, that is that's something that dogs them for uh, for a little while. Like they've got I so. I'm reading. um, Oh, yeah, it is. It is. You're right. And you can you can go look at the album cover. They're heavily made up. Uh, John Oates doesn't bother to shave his mustache to try and pull off this Adronimus look. And drawn. I'm going to stop saying that. Thank you. He's going to stop. Geronimo. (laughs) (laughs) They dress him up as Geronimo. Right. Um. But I was reading, we're going to get into this a little later, but I found in Rolling Stone a 1984 cover story on on them. And they were in they were doing a video together and the uh, they're concerned that like at one point, uh, Daryl Hall puts his arm around John Oates and uh, like just like, you know, like a buddy would do and during the video and they had to stop and they were like, no, like we can't have you guys touching each. There's already enough. There's already enough fuel to this rumor that you're lovers. So we can't even have you touching each other in the video. That's wild. It is wild. And so in the same in the same uh, article. So I, I think it was in 1985 there. They it, the article starts with them promoting their big bam boom album, which, by the way, uh, like an eight year old uh, Kenny had that on cassette Me too. And, and played it incessantly. 
um, that uh, that it was that out of touch video where they're all playing the giant instruments. Something about that when I was eight just fucking floored me. But um, the article starts with them uh, promoting that album. They're doing uh, for MTV. They're doing a live Q and A session. And this was, you know, this was before the days of like total request live. Like this was still a bit of an experiment for television. They didn't really know how to pull it off. So it was Kurt Loader, I'm assuming. Um, it, you know, it didn't say, but it probably was. No, it was. I'm sorry. It was. It did say it was Mark Goodman. So Mark, oh. Mark Goodman has them on to promote Big Bamboom, and people are calling in. And they don't, I guess they don't have too many people screening the calls. So they're getting really terrible questions and they're letting terrible questions on the air. Like, when did you guys start dressing punkier? You know, and then like haul the notes. Or like, yeah, they're like, they don't even, they, they said you could, they could barely hide their disdain for the questions. But then afterwards, Tommy Matola. Is is chewing someone out on MTV? Like, why did you let why did you let people make my band look so dumb? And they were like, and remember, this is I'm quoting an article from 1985. Yeah, they said because the majority of the people calling in wanted to know if they were fags. That was. <laughs> Which, if you think about it, it's hilarious. Like they they're they're on they're on TV to promote this new album, and you just I'm just picturing dudes from Jersey and Long Island calling into MTV. Like, I want to know if they're fags <laughs> while they're jerking off. Because how the fuck do you care? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure the little Puerto Rican one was the bottom. <laughs> um, so well, that's I thought it was Latino. I thought John Oates was Latino. Yeah, what he he's uh, what is John Oates? I'll look it up. He's some kind of Middle Eastern shit. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't cancel me. <laughs> Actually, cancel me. Don't give me some press. <laughs> yeah, I think you have to have something that they can take away in order to be canceled, Jenny. Exactly, exactly. So please cancel me. I'm going to say some more fucked up shit. <laughs> uh, his mother was an Italian immigrant and his uh, father was born to his, 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 his on his dad's side, English and uh, Moroccan. You see, uh, I knew it. Yeah, this is Moroccan heritage. Oh, so he's African. Is that I'm I'm embarrassed at how little Morocco I know. Morocco is in Morocco, Africa. North Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where the Moors come from, the Moots. So, um, they, in addition to having to like sort of dodge this this reputation that that they were lovers. Um, they absolutely hated the name Hall and Oates from, from the very beginning. So what I read was that they lived together. They, they had a place, they were roommates and on their mailbox, it said Hall and Oates. Yeah. And that's just what everybody in the local music scene came to know them as. 
So it's but they but they wanted to be individuals. They're like, you know, we're coming together to do this, but you know, we're we're our own guys. Yeah, right. They were like, we're not. Uh, yeah, you said it. Like, we're not the Everly Brothers. We're not the Righteous Brothers. We're two separate musicians who, who just happen to you know make music together. It's weird that it's like. I mean, it's pretty much the same fucking thing. Like, it's weird that they think the first names gives it that much of. Yeah. Like that. Like there's that much more difference between yeah. between the first and last names. Mm -hmm. Because they are two of the most like, I mean, a, they're the most successful duo of all time. But like when you think of duos, like that's one of the first names that comes out. And it just rolls yeah. off the tongue so easily. It's like hollow notes. It's just there, you know. Yeah. They, yeah, three syllables. they, um, they, they don't get a lot of, uh, we do have to talk about that, that for five years, they were as big as literally anybody on the planet. Yeah. Um, early, yeah. M early MTV, you could not, you could not turn on without seeing Hall and Oates. They were embracing videos before MTV was even on the air. Yeah, they, I don't know they, if that was Tommy Matola's idea or somebody, but they they like had I think at least half a dozen or so videos like in the in the can like just ready to go when MTV turned, you know, started in 81. Yeah. And like they were just they were just ready to go. Yes. There, I I I saw an interview somewhere where they were saying that they had just some gig in 81 like in like iowa or something like that and they ran back to the hotel afterwards to go watch their song because i think they were in like the first 10 yeah. videos yes in in 81 like august august whatever it is of 81 they were one of the first 10 videos and like they ran back to see themselves on tv on this like new weird music television program yes you can you it's on youtube by the way you can watch the very first two hours of mtv's premiere that, it's that ever happened. And um, it was like Rod Stewart and Hall and Oates were were the two artists that that knew to have videos even before there was something to do with them. It was like they almost they uh, they almost sensed that something was coming. Yeah. Well, I remember like when um, when you were talking about when they were so big that when MTV would say that they were de debuting, that Hall Notes was debuting a new video, I was there. Yeah. I was like, I got to see this. <laughs> yeah, it was a thing. Like, it was just, they were, they were huge. And like, I was, I was pretty little. Like, I remember when, like this, I grew up with the Beach Boys. My dad and my parents were huge Beach Boys fans. So like, I grew up just, that was always there. And then I would say number two to that is Hall & Oates. Like, it was just, there was always Hall & Oates playing. And you know, uh, 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 what's it called? Uh, I can't go for that came out when I was like four years old. And it's like, it's just like in my DNA, like that song just was like, never not there. Like it was just, I feel like it was just always on at my house. Just constantly that groove was there. Like you couldn't escape them at all. And they were great. And it just, I mean, they're that, that run of those years are just, are just incredible. Yeah. Michael, Michael Jackson claimed that, um, he stole the baseline from I can't go for that and used it for Billie Jean. Yeah. Which if you is, listen to Billie Jean, it's 
It's not the exact same thing, but it's it's pretty close. It's why I've I've, I've heard both those songs a million times, and uh, un, until I read that, it I never I never would have noticed Me that. Either but. I'm like trying to listen to them right now. I'm like trying to like do the comparison dun, in dun, my dun, head dun, right dun, now. Dun, 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 dun. I didn't yeah, realize yeah. that. Yeah, and and like apparently the the one story that I heard was that he actually came up to them. Michael Jackson approached them mm-hmm. at the the recording of we are the world yes. in 85 yes or 84 85 whatever it was and was like hey i i just want i i hope you guys don't mind i i love that song so much i used to, he was like i used to dance to it in the mirror uh and i used it i stole it for billy jean and they were just and like they looked at it as they were just uh honored that he would do that they're like it's michael jackson like that's kind of great and like they both would have said and they're like he didn't steal it it's it's definitely the same feel but uh but 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 you know, it, I mean, you, but you look at Billie Jean, one of the biggest songs of all time, and it's like, oh, yeah, that was kind of cribbed from from Hall of Notes. Wow. Their their videos, I think there was like two camps to the videos. There, there was like there was people that thought they loved the videos. They thought the videos were great. Or they thought Hall of Notes were great because of the videos. And then I think like I was more like. I think they're great despite the videos. Like they made the worst. They made terrible videos. And it's just that early 80s feel of like it's it's so of its time that it just I don't think it, it doesn't age well. So they're just and they're just over the top ridiculous. Like I just love when like Oates is, is I forget which song it's for, but like is playing that giant oversized. Yeah. Drum set. Uh, out of touch. Uh, is, is that a, OK? Out of yeah. Touch, yeah. And uh, and then, I mean, just my favorite thing of all time is their version of rocking around the Christmas tree. Oh, and that yeah. video is literally the cheesiest thing. It's like Billy Squire level of yeah, ridiculousness. <laughs> yeah, it's see, I guess because I, I don't know, I'm not as sophisticated as you guys. I just loved watching videos. So I just. Oh, so I, did I. I was yeah, the same way. Yeah. Um, I didn't know they were bad videos. I thought they were amazing. I thought any video that came on, I thought was awesome because it's a new thing. And it was, you know, MTV was so much fun to watch. Yeah. So I didn't see it as. I would, um, I would watch it. Even, I would, I knew that some of them were bad, but I would still, but like, to me, the songs were so great. Yeah. That you, you had to watch. I, I think I was re and again, I was pretty little, but like, I thought they were really cool. I love the videos. I think until Method of Modern Love, I think it was where they were like on the rooftop and like all the smoke machines and everything. I think that one is a little over the top and crazy. I think that's where it kind of fell off for me. <laughs> Chip was like, I'm okay with that lady turning into a panther in the man eater yes. video. <laughs> yes, I'm okay with them. Totally believable. I'm okay with them dancing around in trench coats for private eye. Oh, yeah. that's right. Right. Mm-hmm. But it was such a big deal to me. Like Maneater, um, the very first play that I wrote, I wrote it around the song Maneater. I'm not lying. Oh, that's amazing. The very that's first great. play it was called. It's called Dancing in the Mirror. And it's about dancing to, to like your song in the mirror. And one of the um, it was it's a five. It was like five uh, characters, five monologues. And one of the characters is this Dominican hairdresser and she's in love with that song because she's like, yeah, that's me. I'm a man eater or whatever. And then she says, that's what I said. She goes, I love them, especially a little Puerto Rican one. That's because, you know, John Oates. I thought it was <laughs> right. So, um, but yeah, I love that song so much because I, I think I, that song to me, um, I, it, I, 
as a as, as a even though I was a young kid, it empowered me as a woman. <laughs> like I was like, yeah, I'm a man eater, bitch. Watch out. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, it's funny because I uh, they they had a greatest hits album in the early rock and soul part. One. I have it. Yes, I had it. I bought it on CD. Yeah. <laughs> and I was still under the impression that Hollow Notes were cool. And I brought it home. And by the way, was there ever anything better than going to a CD store and like flipping through the racks and 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 trying to discover new things? I would be oh, so excited. At Tower Records. Yes. Yep. And uh, but I remember coming home, I was probably like four. 14 years old and I, I bought rock and soul part one on CD and I came home and showed it to my brother it was like, yeah, I got Hall and Oates greatest hits. And he laughed and said, what's your favorite song? Man eater. <laughs> <laughs> and I was immediately like, I felt shame. And then I was like, Oh, they're not cool. Yeah. And then I would, I would only listen to them when he wasn't around. I, I don't know if it's terrible. like our ages and like when, you know, like when we came up or just the way that music goes, but they are one of those bands that you kind of rode that wave and came back on the other side because like, I definitely remember like being a child and like Hollow Notes were the best, you know, there was just like the greatest music ever. And then you grow up and you want nothing to do with it. Like yeah. The late eighties throughout the nineties, I'm a teenager and everything. It's like, no, Hollow Notes sucks yeah. and it's crappy, whatever. And then you get on the other side of it and you're like, oh, wait, no, these guys are the greatest. And it's like they just have the string of like some of the greatest hits of all time. One of my favorite albums. I don't know. If, are, do, do you guys have the album? Do you guys know the Bird and the Bee album? No. Uh, yeah. Where they they cover all the Hall and Oates songs. Yeah. It's this it's this man and a woman. Uh, they're, they're just a duo called the Bird and the Bee. And they're like an electronic duo. And they did an album maybe about 10 years ago called interpreting the masters. And it's just, it's all hollow notes covers. It's basically hollow notes, greatest hits, but this woman sings it and it's like this electronic duo and it's amazing. It's one of the, it's one of my favorite albums. It's just I, I, Jenny, definitely get that. Anybody check it out. It's called interpreting the masters by the bird and the bee. And it's, I mean, they have, uh, I know I have here somewhere. I'll pull up the, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, they do. It's you know, I heard heard it on the radio. Rich girl, Sarah Smile, Kiss on My List, Man Eater, She's Gone, Private Eyes, One on One, and uh, Fourth. Of, I don't know Fourth of July too well, and uh, I can't go for that. Yeah, I mean, just I was listening to it, it last it's like, night. It's yeah, great, and it's like they, they, it's it's very similar to the originals, but then they also it's but it's their own spin on it, and it's wow. it's a great album. Um, yeah, so they were, so I was looking at that and you notice that it's almost entirely greatest. It's like for me, Hall and Oates, other than that big Bamboom album, cause that came out when I was of like, you know, I, I was, I, I would go and buy cassettes, you know, I had a little bit of an allowance or whatever. Other than that album, I don't think I've ever sat down and listened to a Hall and Oates. Like, I don't know any of the deep cuts. I like, I only know. The greatest hits and, and and i think it's almost like it, it's it's almost they suffer from their own uh success where it's like i feel like they have so many hits throughout the years that you don't even have to go right down through like you know like another one too it's like and i, I consider myself a fan i'm not a huge fan i i've always loved him but tom petty 
Tom Petty's great, but Tom Petty has 30 songs yeah. probably that every single person on earth knows. Mm-hmm. And it's so like, you don't have to go deep into the Tom Petty. Well, besides, I think like wildflowers was yeah. like, I mean, it was just a perfect album. Other than that, like I've never gone super deep because I can always just, if I want to listen to Tom Petty, I can mm-hmm. just listen to his 30 greatest songs that were widely on the radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Hall notes, same thing. See, I, I, um, I never went through a period where I didn't like Hall and Oates, but that's because I'm a girl and boys are stupid. And, um, <laughs> agreed, agreed. No, because the whole like, oh, they suck. Like, no, if I like this song, I still like. I listen. Oh, yeah. I still listen to Mama said, "Knock you out." <laughs> it's great, a great song. song. <laughs> like, but, but, but that is the thing, and I think it's definitely true too. Where I think, especially like teenage boys, like you have to listen to whatever, a certain yeah. type. And like, you know, we've sort of talked about this on the podcast before, but like I was a freshman in high school when Smells Like Teen Spirit came out. So it's like I was the perfect age for that. And then so like you couldn't not like anything you could you could like it was Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, Soundgarden, like Alice in Chains. Like you could only like that for five years. Like there weren't other you couldn't listen to you couldn't you didn't even listen to hip hop. You didn't listen to pop. You didn't listen to you know, a lot of female music that you didn't listen. You didn't go back and listen. Michael Jackson sucked at the time. You know, it was like all this. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you were just too cool for anything. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. So in that, in that article, in that Rolling Stone article, um, they're lamenting the fact that they're having trouble getting a male audience. So they, they, they say that, um, 75% of their audience is made up of females and, uh, that's they, called the reverse Genesis. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> um, they, uh, and they're, they're giving all these reasons. And then Daryl Hall says something like, but at the end of the day, I think it's just hard to convince a guy to wear a band T-shirt with two guys on it. Yeah. And I was like, well, that I think probably sums up the 80s perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you did like them, you weren't you weren't going public with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they were the last they were the last concert I saw before the shutdown. Oh, is um, that right? Yeah, I saw them at MSG right at at like like February one of 2020. And they were amazing. They were amazing. And I have um, I don't know if you have the live album where they shot the one that they did at the the Apollo and they had the Temptations. Yes, I'm the one who told you about that. Oh, wow. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they do. Do you know that album live at the Apollo? I've, I've heard of it. I've, I've, I've heard a few tracks from it. Yeah. It's a great, yeah. and, and it's I think a great I've seen album. Some, the Temptations are on it. Yeah. They they do a whole uh, like Motown medley. Yeah. yeah and, well, and, you, and, and that's something great about too, about, you know, we, we can get into it, but like their solo stuff. But then, you know, Daryl Hall has live at Daryl's house, which is, you know, started out as just like a little web show. And then now it's on TV and brings in, people like Smokey Robinson yeah. brings in, you know, these older acts brings in these newer acts just to, it just kind of like how they bridge so many generations of music. Yeah. And then when you, you see the artists that are wanting to, to cover those songs and mm-hmm. yeah, it, that's actually, I, I spend a lot of time on YouTube watching that show. 
Yeah, um, that was great. Yeah. Um, and by and by the way, and I think this is a personal thing for me, but just to see, just to listen to them my entire life, and how brilliant they are, and just Daryl Hall, and everybody says Daryl Hall has the most beautiful soul voice of all time. And like, you know, all these, you just talk about how, how amazing Daryl Hall's voice is and just how great writers they are. And then to hear him talk and he's just like every uncle of mine from Philly. Like he's just got, he's got the most Philly accent in the world. And it's hilarious to me because it's just like the most beautiful voice. And then just, uh, just turns into the most Philly accent of all time. And I yeah. know I have it too, but it's great. I, I don't, I, I think I would do it injustice if I did, but it's just, <laughs> it is hilarious to, to hear like the most beautiful soul voice and then just talking yeah. about. Right. Yeah. yeah it's well, like listening to Amy Winehouse sing. And oh, then, yes, yeah. exactly. And then they yeah. interview her and she sounds like uh, an orphan. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like an orphan from Oliver Twist. Yeah. Like an Oliver yeah. Twist orphan. Yeah. <laughs> It's like Gomer Pyle. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I think that um, uh, one of the things that I that I think is important to them, I, I I grew up in the 80s, but I grew up in Washington Heights. And the fact that they were a crossover, like they were on the soul. Yeah. They were yeah. on the soul charts. They were like everyone. See, I don't know. Again, like in my hood, they were awesome. And everybody like them, boys and girls, because it was like, look at these white boys singing all badass. Yeah. Like, it was like everyone loved Holland Oates in the hood. Everyone. Yeah. And when I went to that concert, half of the people there were black. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. You know, like that is that's that is that's respect. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just that thing, too, about like going back to the 80s and. You, you, you look at like, you know, so you so you look at music, you know, like like soul music and that type of dance music. And then, you had of course, you had disco and then, you know, disco sucks. There was a whole disco sucks movement. And if you look back at that, if you like if you break it down, that one disc jockey, I think he's from was he from Chicago where they did like the explosion of all yeah, the yeah, disco I albums. That, you know, that's featured in the um in the Bee Gees. If you've seen if you haven't seen the Bee Gees documentary on HBO, please see it. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. But like it was it really came from like it wasn't just the fact that like, oh, disco's everywhere. Disco sucks. It was it, there was definitely this under underground like sw swell of like homophobia with it because it's like, oh, disco's gay and that's wrong mm -hmm. and that's terrible. So it was really like without coming right out and saying it, it was like this homophobic thing. So I think a lot of, you know, just a lot of people in the 80s just shun dance music because they thought it was disco because it, there was definitely some homophobia involved in it. And you you look over at like over the UK who I'm not saying that they don't have their own share of that, but like dance music really sort of came through more, I think, in the 80s and was like more accepted. So they had great dance music throughout the 80s into the 90s where I feel like there was this real gap for like at least mainstream America in the 80s of like really good dance music that could have happened but didn't because it was like yeah that's dumb that's gay that's for girls and i you know what you never i've never thought of it that way but i do think you're you're so right because i, I think that in the uk or in, in europe they're just for lack i hate sounding like a millennial but they're just more sexually fluid and it was and they were new they were okay with it i mean boy george was androgynous and you had all these people who were you didn't know i mean i used to subscribe to details magazine which is a men's magazine they used to have this like gay or european or gay or a tennis player and gay or and it's yeah. like gay or european because you can't they're just they're a lot more they're not as uptight about sex 
Yeah, yeah. and that's that's a big part of it too. Yeah, yeah. yeah because they're not as uptight about sex. They can be more androgynous. They can they can see the fluidity, and it was and that's why dance music did so well in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And it, it was European uh, dance music that did well. I mean, fucking Duran Duran. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, and, and like you, and then you hit like uh, I mean, I think they're Australian, but like like In Excess, like mm-hmm. In Excess was a rock band, but also it was a rock band and also a dance band too. Yeah. And, but like in the U.S., you you really didn't have that that much. Um. So now I want to um, I want to read some quotes from Daryl Hall okay. from, from this 1984 <laughs> article. Now here here's like you think of them as such just like almost like a fluffy pop group. Yeah. And um, this dude is so bitter and angry. Now this is going back to 1985 when this article is written. So this is kind of at the tail end of their youth. This is well this is this is Big Bam Boom so the train's still okay. going. Okay, okay, yeah. Um so I and I'm always so I'm always so fascinated with like, you know, so they put out Out of Touch it goes number 1. They've now had six number 1 singles in a 6-year span. Yeah. But this is the last one. And I'm I'm so curious. Like, do you have the sense that things are coming to an end, or are you mm-hmm. just like, you know, oh, this party's never going to end. You know, right. we're always going to be, we're always going to be in style. Yeah. Um. But he is so angry about. It wasn't enough that they were selling out arenas. It wasn't enough that they were millionaires. It wasn't enough that they had millions of adoring fans. Mm -hmm. They wanted the critical respect, too. And and, you know, they've now they've lived long enough that they've gotten the critical respect. Finally, you know, they were inducted into the Hall of Fame a few years ago. But at the time. The critics just didn't like them. They they dismissed them. And you don't always get to choose whether or not you're respected. Right. So he carried. No one knows that more than you can. <laughs> he carried a lot of uh, anger in him. Um, he seemed to think that they. Well, I'll, I'll let I'll, I'll let him say it. Do you, now, do, and before we get into this. And I don't want to speculate too much before I hear this, Ken. But do you think he was out of touch or were they just out of time? <laughs> I think he was out of touch. OK. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's weird. Hall says without a trace of irony, I'm just about the best singer I know. And it's time for everybody to say that I have total facility with my voice. Faculty. Faculty. Yeah, maybe that's it. And for some weird reason, critics don't talk about it. Americans think that if you're popular, there must be something wrong with you. The best music is the music everyone's listening to now. Obscurity is just obscurity. There's no romance in it. And here he says, I think we're the 80s Beatles. If we had been born 20 years earlier, maybe the world would have seen that. There's something about our personalities that is very Lennon and McCartney-esque. And there is something about the body of work that we both have that is similar. I know people will have trouble accepting that, but I don't have any trouble accepting that. 
Wow. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot. That's that's a lot to unpack. But but I I think I think that he you know, he's he's not wrong in the sense that he is, like you said, one of the most soulful song uh, voices. I mean, it's just Sarah smiles just makes you just want to rent, change your name to Sarah when you're a girl. Like, you're just like, oh, why aren't I Sarah? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you just, ah, oh. you got to hear Pat Brown talk about that. If you feel like leaving, <laughs> you know you can't go. Like, it's <laughs> like, oh my God, Pat Brown is like, oh, that's my... <laughs> it's like, the, it's, it's but, anybody, anybody, like, it's, and, and, and again, it's one of those things too, where like in hindsight, you don't disagree with the man. Like he had it, but it's like to the, come the out. Beatles. But, to, but, oh, but that's the part that I was going to say. <laughs> anybody, anybody who comes out to say that they are this era's Beatles is like, all right, okay. Hold, so pump the brakes there, buddy. Like we're, yeah. we're, we're good. It's like, I, and I will say, I, I think, and I think we've done a good job. You and I can, um, uh, we just made a list this week of. Oh uh, yeah, we should have mentioned that. We should talk about the, the best rock and roll podcast. Ken, I think you and I are currently are the wings of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm McCartney, and you're you're Linda McCartney. Yeah, I'm the. Octopus I'm Yoko. <laughs> yes, you be Yoko. <laughs> I'm definitely Yoko. I I lo- I love that Daryl Hall says I'm pretty much the best singer I know. It reminded me yeah. of. Um, Artie Lang told this really funny story once on Howard Stern, where I don't remember exactly who it was. It was either like David Spade or Rob Schneider. One of those guys was in a movie with Steven Seagal Uh and he pops into his trailer like it's during lunch or something. And Steven invited him there and he pops into his trailer just in time to see Steven putting a screenplay down on the desk. And uh, I, I think it was Schneider. He was like, hey, he was like, what are you doing? And Steven Seagal said, I just finished reading the best screenplay that's ever been written. And Rob Schneider was like, oh, who wrote it? And he goes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and he said it like without any irony. So as soon as as soon as I read that interview, that's that's what it made I feel me like think that's of. something that I'd say 90 percent of comics we have in our arsenal is self-deprecation or at least an awareness that like we can't get away with that. Like if we did that, there are, there are, obviously there are certain comics out there who either always had that or maybe they grow into it that they that do have that sense of self. But like I'm very lucky to not be able to take myself too seriously uh, because I think you can fall into that trap in the music game. But yeah, to call yourself the Beatles of the 80s is pretty uh, that's that's pretty uh, pretty rough. Wait here, do you, do oh, you guys ahead. remember Terrence Trent Darby? Yes, of course. Oh yeah. So he called himself the new prince, mm-hmm. right? He called himself the new the he called himself the new prince. Last I heard, he's teaching yoga in the valley. Yes, and he <laughs> under a different name because yes. yeah. <laughs> I'm can, like, yeah. By the way, prince. can you imagine calling yourself talk about balls? This dude and called prince himself was prince, prince was, was but prince was also still in his golden era. It was like it was like during purple rain being like I'm the new prince. I'm the new prince. Back off. <laughs> well, I, I don't. I don't want to, you know, ruffle any feathers. But he's doing better than Prince now. I mean, <laughs> to be fair. Well, who, we don't. Who know won that battle? 
Prince is jamming up there with, with the greats. That's, that's definitely true. Yeah. So wait, so here speaking. By of, the way, um, did you guys ever? That was, and, and again, I, I, li- I like to freely admit this because in, it was his musicology tour. So maybe like 05, 08, something like that. Whenever Prince's musicology came out, my, I, my brother and sister-in-law had an extra ticket to go see Prince uh, in Philly. And I kind of went as almost a joke. I was like, I like going to concerts. I was like, ah, Prince, this will be fun. Maybe I'll hear Purple Rain or whatever. And like just walked away basically in tears. It was yeah. like yeah. the greatest concert I ever saw in my life. Me it too. Was, it, was, it was unreal. Yeah. I saw him at the garden and I remember I had a perfect outfit. Uh, I was I was uh, on the floor. I had floor seats. So I had a perfect I had a perfect outfit plan. I was going to throw my panties on stage and then a blizzard came and I had to wear snow boots and pants. And I was like, well, <laughs> Did you throw your snowsuit on stage? I couldn't do it. I was like, it doesn't make sense. If I, to think, if I bring the panty with me, it's not going to work. <laughs> I was so mad. Just a and mitten. I didn't throw my panties at Prince. <laughs> oh my god! All right, wait. You want to hear a little more of uh, what Daryl Hall thinks of himself? Oh, oh there's more. Yeah. Let's oh, go and I got, I got, I got a lot more. Um, so he, he's here. He is talking about. Uh, he, all right. He he's talking about his songwriting process, and then it veers off course. Um. He refers to the fact that he went into the studio to record Big Bam Boom with nothing planned. He was, he says, daring myself because if I have a religion, it's the religion of self. I don't follow anybody and that scares people. But I like the idea of scaring people. I wish I scared people more. I don't know if I scared anyone on this new album but I'm better at scaring people in my personal life. I changed quickly. I go from nice to not nice. I'm like a snake. Don't back me into a corner or I'll bite deadly hard. Wow. Whoa, that's some Ted Bundy shit. I know, but it's like, that's but then Ted it's like, but then you put the album on and it's like M-E-T-H-O-D-O-F-L-O-V. It's the most harmless music. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, can you read like the last, like when with the snake part and stuff like that, like the last two or three sentences, just read that in his voice, just do it. And then I'm going to respond to that. And I, I'll put, I'll put it in context. All right, go, go ahead, Ken, whenever you're ready. I go from nice to not nice. I'm like a snake. Don't back me into a corner or I'll bite deadly hard. All right. Rocking around the Christmas tree. Take one. (laughs) (laughs) It is. And it's like, and and, and again, it's like, I want to make fun of it. And it is crazy. But it's like, what is happening in his brain, too? It's like, it's got to be crazy to have all that success, but then not get that thing you want that you think you deserve. And you, I think, rightfully deserve. But it's like, I, I think it was me and maybe we'd all be crazy if we were famous and rich or whatever. But it's like, boy, if I had a couple million bucks and people thought I was a shitty comic, I'd be like, OK. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. I I got it. Like you have, you have no bucks and people think you're a shitty comic. I'm a shitty comic. Yes. I know. Exactly. So yeah, I know, I know what it's like. I'm a snake. Yeah. Uh, What, what, what's that deadly snake's name again? It's Chip. Chip the snake. Yeah. Yeah. 
He's a pretty, he's a pretty yeah. Wait, wait, is that a, is that a poisonous snake? I don't know. He's a pretty solid feature. So um, yeah, he 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 doesn't kill, but he can he can yeah. wound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do do you want to hear some more about Daryl Hall's genealogy? Oh, yeah. This yeah, you don't know. I was I was in tears reading this article last night. Yeah. Um, but Hall does have belief, at least in himself. Two of his uncles were ministers, and his great-grandfather was a warlock. He cured cattle. I grew up around seeing the light kind of thing. I grew up around that seeing the light kind of thing. And now I'm a secular version of it. In my uncle's time, you were a minister. Two generations before that, you were a warlock. Now you're me. It's just a current. I believe in the ability to change reality through will, and that is the definition of magic. I feel like I have done this. this you first- know, I think that if we were to show him this article, he'd be like, what the fuck? I mean, there were, he was definitely on drugs when he said this. Well, and that's another thing, too. It's 1985, so I'm wondering but, what... But here's the thing. So you would think, ah, uh, the the arrogance of youth, right? Like, you're like you're reading this, and you're like, well, clearly some 22-year-old dipshit said this. He was 35 when this article came out. <laughs> he, oh, he's man. approaching... He's a, first off, your great-grandfather was a warlock. Like, where did you grow up? Middle Earth? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's a warlock. You grew up in <laughs> <laughs> you live in Pottstown. <laughs> uh, he, he grew up. He grew up 15 minutes away from soldiers. Like it's not. <laughs> not like, like, you're not going to Mordor, you know. Yeah. Uh, oh my goodness! That's shout so out funny. to the great soldiers. I love, love soldiers. Where where, uh, Ch- where Chip which- and I will be. December 27th, uh, uh, Ken Krantz and I will be at Soldiers in uh, West Arkansas. He doesn't book me anymore, so fuck you both. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that out. Oh, no. Yeah, no, no. no. Tell him I said hello, please. No, <laughs> Wait, I, I, have, I, have, I have one more. This isn't so much a quote as just um, something bananas that he says without any follow-up. So they're asking, oh, here it is. It is a quote. So when asking about like the perception that him and John Oates are gay, um, people still think that, says Hull, repeating his standard rebuttal. The idea of sex with the man doesn't turn me off, but I don't express it. I satisfied my curiosity about that years ago. I had lots of sex between the ages of three and four. And the time and between 14 and 15. That's it. No follow up. Just he had a lot of sex between three and four. And I could not stop picturing like a toddler Daryl Hall with the pompadour, like in a tiny little leather jacket with the cuff jeans, like smoking a cigarette, hitting on older women. Like, hey, on on Olds and Olds is wearing his little jean jacket and his wife beater. Yeah. Like, hey. Hey, this might not mean anything to you now, but I'm going to grow up to write rich girl. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell people he had a lot of sex between three and four. Three I got to look up the lyrics of adult education. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
man. Hey, hey Oats, what rhymes with Binky? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Does John say it? I mean, doesn't John say anything? Well, you know, this, this, uh, I can't tell if it's the, a reporter with an axe to grind. Oats is basically, they bar- they barely mention Oats in this article. In fact, um, the article goes on to say that the two of them have a very strange relationship. Um, uh, it's, they say that, um, he says it doesn't even appear that they like each other very much so much as it's just they realize that, you know, they're 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 good together and that, that it's it's good for business to stay together. And I think it's such a hard thing because I, I I was watching a Daryl Hall on uh, Stern and Stern was like really going after him like you hate Oates, don't you? Like you hate him, like you're trying to get him to admit it. And but that's the thing, too. It's like. They're business partners. Like, sure, they're friends. Sure, they came up together and they they music. But like, you don't have to be best buddies and like have a good working relationship. It's like it's like a guy at an office. It's like, yeah, we work together and he's cool. But like, but no, this is more than that. You're sharing a tour bus. You're sharing. Yeah, I mean, that's true. If yeah. you don't like each other, that's pretty. I mean, if if they if they're just cordial, then they're doing a great job of putting up with each other this long. Right. I couldn't live. I couldn't just be okay with someone. And 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 travel the world like again a tour bus. And, yeah, but that's but true, that's yeah. you know, but those are in the lean years. You know, like once once you get a couple number one singles, you're not on the same tour bus anymore. You know, you you're not you don't socialize together anymore. I mean, look at all these bands. I mean, there 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 was twenty years where the Stones were together, where Mick and Keith literally never spoke to each other. So I do think there's an element of just keeping it together, you know, for business. I mean, I don't. Oh, here it is. The two of a strange relationship. They are crossed between business partners and brothers. Hall doesn't really seem to like Oates and Oates seems removed, even distance from the entire Hall and Oates organization. But they're both professionals. They work well together and they would never slag each other off publicly. It would just be bad form. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you can tell that this reporter either maybe had an axe to grind with them. The name of the article is uh, the Self-Righteous Brothers. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they're yeah, he's he's going after him a little bit. And, um, you know, and this is Rolling Stone. This is Rolling Stone and Tommy Mottola. There's a whole bunch of great Tommy Mottola quotes that I that I didn't even bother to. To circle, but Tommy Mottola is screaming that that Daryl Hall should be that he should be respected the same way that Sting or David Bowie is, like that he's that talented. And and again, it's like, well, you don't get to, you know, you you don't like you, you be happy with the with the sold out tours and the millions of dollars. Like, what do you care if music journalists respect you? Yeah. I mean, but I get it because, again, going back, I'm sorry, it's a, not the topic of hand, but going back to the Bee Gees, um, the Bee Gees documentary, um, Barry Gibbs said that what he was the most proud of was his 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 catalog, his writing catalog. Yeah. So you want to be respected. So, yeah, you can have the you can have the the, the you know, even as a comic, I rather I like that people tell me that I wrote a good joke. I'd rather be a good writer. Yes. 
you know, than a good mm-hmm. performer, if that sounds yeah. makes any sense. Right. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Yeah. I like how they um, it, it, they didn't even like the name Hollow Notes, but they sued a yeah. oh, uh, let's get into a this. granola a granola company in 2015 because they named one of their products Hollow Oats. Yeah, I th- I, th- I think that's like H A U L I N apostrophe Oats Hollow Oats, and they 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 uh, they sued them for it because you know of course it sounds the same. I think that's great. They sued yeah they they sued them for sounding like a name that they don't even like or want to profit from. Yeah, so this granola company they just came out Hollow Oats, which is amazing. Um, well, it's funny you say that, Chip, because I, I was I was looking at that and then I was trying to um, I don't know if this is going to be out of pocket to either one of you, but um, I was a little high when I came up with this list. What, Ken? Yeah. Do we need oh, to have a discussion? Maybe, maybe off air. OK. But I was a little high when I came up with this list because I thought Hall and Oats is actually pretty good. And then I was trying to think of like what other musical duo food products might be good. Okay. All right. So here, if you think of any, jump in, but here, here's what I got. Um, Lyman and Garfunkel. <laughs> uh, Sunny D and Cher. Uh, this, this one I like. Um, Seals and Croft Singles. <laughs> um Ike and Tina turnips. <laughs> I might start eating turnips, yeah. Yeah, and then um this one's more of a restaurant arcade theme, but uh Sam and Dave and Busters. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go. I'd go. I get power powerpoints for there. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's great. You'd be like this. Their slogan, Sam and Dave and Buster's slogans could be, hold on, I'm coming. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. New business venture. I I think we do, because I wonder if they got, did they get, did they win the lawsuit or can you just do that? I think that, no, I think they, I, I didn't read it. I want to say they did win or or the company yeah. just went, you know, the, the company just respected yeah. them. Yeah. They didn't. They probably heard that Daryl came from a long line of Pennsylvania warlocks. Yeah, yeah. they're like, we're not effing and around like, with this. We are not fucking around with this guy. And the other ones part more, and you know how they invade. So. <laughs> Man is a snake. But you know what? I was wondering. Like, I think there must be still animosity between them and Rolling Stone because just recently, within the last few years, I was just reading. Rolling Stone comes out with a list of the 20 greatest duos in music history. And where where would you think? I mean, I think it's you could very well make the case that this is number one. Yeah. Hall and Oates is the number one. Yeah. 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 Top five. Easy. Not even on the list. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So there's yeah, not even top 20. Yeah. It's it's oh, like they yeah, don't even exist. So who do they have as number one? Let me just tell me that. Um. Oh, I, I don't know where it is. It was it was either it may have been the Everly Brothers or the mm-hmm. Everly Brothers were number two. And then it was. Yeah. Yeah, they don't hold a candle to hole in oats. Yeah, that's that's rough. Yeah. Let me, yeah so there's there's obviously some some politics going on there. I know, but that just doesn't even I don't even understand how you can call yourself. 
like, how can you expect anybody to take something like that seriously? Yeah. Mm. They need to air that on Fox. It'd be like having the top 30 rock podcasts and not having I Love Rock and Roll in there. Yeah. That's what I say. Um, I do love, uh, did you see on that Howard Stern interview how, how much Daryl Hall hates deer? No. He got Lyme disease, so he lives in upstate oh, New York, yeah. and he got. Oh, Lyme by the way, that that was hilarious too—the Lyme disease thing. And like, I'm not taking anything away from Lyme disease, but uh, I was watching, and I I didn't really want to watch it, but I was like, it's like the longest thing that I found on YouTube. But it was the behind the music mm -hmm. from like 2012 or something like yeah. that, and it's it always has to be so cheesy, and they have to find drama. But it's like they're like, and then he deals with a deadly disease and they zoom in on a tick and it's, just, and it's like Lyme disease. And like, I'm not taking anything away from it, but it's like they had to find something. That's, that's great. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, apparently it did. Apparently he did fuck him up pretty well. He, he, yeah. he, he went into I mean, it's yeah, it's, it is, it is rough. He went yeah. into detail. He went into detail on it and uh, on Howard, but then he, he said that he took up, he took up deer hunting. Because now he hates deer so much. It's like he is like a score to settle. Yeah. He's like he's like decided he, he wants revenge on the deer population. And he went on Howard and Howard was like, oh, I don't know how you could kill an animal. And Daryl Hall was like, fuck a deer. I will fuck it. Like bring a deer in here right now and I will wow. fuck him up. And I'm like, this dude is so angry. And then oh and then God. like, how did this guy write man eater? Yeah. <laughs> With this much anger, you think he would have gone. Wow. Yeah, you think his music would have been way darker. He's yes. so angry. Yeah. Yeah. Like this guy should be like this guy is what I imagine Trent Reznor is like. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Trent probably raises orchids. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Cultivates orchids and and, and writes and and is in a, in, a, in a knitting circle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even like um on that on that live at the Apollo album when they do every time you go away, which wasn't a hit for them. I don't believe was ever even released as a single for no, them. I think it was, it was Paul, Paul Young, thing. right? Right. Yeah. And Paul Young took it to number one, which. Yeah. All that does for Hall and Oates is put a lot of fucking money in their pocket. Oh, yep. God, right. Yeah. Without even lifting a finger. Yep. A song song you write goes to number one. And that is a major fucking payday. Yeah. So you think they would just be like, hey, that's fantastic. Yeah. All that free money. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to the intro of that song, every time you go away on Live at the Apollo, um, Hall is like, hey, uh, you know, the, the, a lot of people don't know this is our song. And then he won't even name Paul Young. He was like, yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. He, he's I know I've He's like, yeah, it's our song. A lot of people don't know that we did this song and we're going to do bring it for you today. I, I, yeah, I but he, he says you can almost hear the like the disdain in his voice. He says something like oh, an English fella took it to number one. But this is yeah. the way it should be done or something like or this is our version. Yeah. I was like, how like Chip, if you ever like take one of my any like if you ever take one of my jokes and make millions of dollars with it that you like rightfully so sold to highly me. unlikely yeah. Yeah. yeah 
We, uh, this is listen. We're just hypothesizing here. <laughs> just know, I'm I'm never going to get mad if you if if either of you Thank ever you. come to me or like, hey, we took this thing you did and made you a yeah. millionaire, billion dollars. Yeah, then go for it. Yeah. Well, it's like I think about people like nothing compares to you. Is one of those few Prince songs that I rather hear the cover than hear Prince's version. Right. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 it doesn't he. He's so happy for her. He was so happy for Sinead O'Connor. He yep. was so happy for like, I can't believe that 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 Daryl Hall doesn't value his songwriting. Like he he obviously is just a fame or he's the Kim Kardashian with talent. Um, oh. Like, you know, a talented Kim Kardashian, because if you just want the limelight, I mean, shit, you wrote amazing songs and you're good. And, and again, your pockets are, you're, you're, you're crying in buckets of money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. I found, we can, we can wrap this up with this. I did find the list. I had, I had to read this list three times last night. Um, high. <laughs> yeah, just cause I was high. There's nothing wrong with the list. I just, <laughs> no, I had to read this list three times. Cause I was like, Oh, I must've just, scrolled past Hall and Oates. So I have the top 20. Do you, do you want to hear? Okay, yeah. yeah. You want to hear all 20? You want to hear the top 10? No, go from 20 up. All right. We'll, we'll do this quick and, and get out of here. Uh, 20, the Black Keys. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I, I mean, better than Hall and Oates? No. Yeah. Yeah. Ashford, 19, Ashford and Simpson. Okay. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. Number 18, Sonny and Cher. Uh, Iconic. I, yeah, but like, what do you got? One. I would like them to be number 21. Yeah. <laughs> number 17, uh, Robert Fripp and Brian Eno. Fripp and Eno. They, they, they were. That's they just were, like cool kid cred right there. Yeah, they, they were they were King Crimson. They, they did a lot of work with David Bowie. Yeah. Nobody thinks of them as one of the no. great duos of all. Number 16, The Righteous Brothers. Well, I'm. I'd almost think they'd be higher. Yeah. yeah. Number yeah. fifteen. Number fifteen. Steely Dan. Sure. Okay. Number fourteen. Sam and Dave. Yes. Number thirteen. Suicide. Do, do either uh, of you know Suicide? Yeah. There. There. Again. There. It's like that cool yeah. kid cred yes. thing. Yeah. Where like they were kind of great, but they were like this electronic thing. And nobody. Like, know, nobody knows. You no. Know, but nobody knows them. It's. It's. Yeah. That's number twelve. Daft Punk. Hmm. All right. Yeah, um, I mean they're good. But Eleven yeah. Otis writing. I would, I would in, like them lower because I would like the the the, the Everly Brothers. Yeah, yeah. The Righteous but, Brothers. The yeah. Righteous Brother over. Eleven Otis writing and Carla Thomas. Not even a duo, really. Just put out yeah, an yeah, album yeah. together. Yeah, like, yeah like no, Rolling Stone is now. Terrell, they'll tell me Tammy Terrell and 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 Marvin Gaye are on there because I'll be pissed as fuck. <laughs> yeah, but so Rolling Stone did a song. Yes, yeah. Rolling Stone's yeah, now making up duos, duos to, yeah. to give it to over Hall to avoid Hall of Notes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> number ten, the Carpenters. Okay. Okay, number nine. Everybody knows Lee Hazelwood and Nancy Sinatra. I mean, come on. What? Number eight, Richard and Linda Thompson. Again, cool kid. I will. Yeah, cool kid. I'll I'll say they're they are great, but like that is that is not. Yeah, no, yeah. They shouldn't yeah. be that high up. Number seven, Outcast. That I have absolutely no yeah. problem with. If no anything, they should be higher. No issue with that. Yeah. Uh, number six, the White Stripes. Okay. Yeah, they're good. They're great, but like yeah, not top yeah. ten. No number no. number five. Eric B and Rakim. Sure. Okay. 
Number four, the Leuven Brothers. I mean, come on. Are you really? <laughs> I don't know who that is. They were, I, they're amazing. We need to cover them sometime. Yeah. They are this like gospel, uh, like country gospel br- gr- duo of brothers from like the 50s that were like, it's the funniest album cover of all time. And uh, oh, yeah, you've sent me this. Yeah. We've talked about they, it. They are amazing. But like, I mean, it's like, who the fuck? No, nah, that's, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I, even forgetting Hall and Oates, like you're telling me the Leuven brothers are better than no. Outkast. No. Number three, <laughs> number three, Simon and Garfunkel. Okay, okay sure. Number two, Ike and Tina Turner. Number yeah. number one, the Everly brothers. Okay, but uh, I mean, uh, yeah, you could take I at least eight of those off and put uh, put put Hall and Oates on in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is, uh, I think we did it, everybody. And- and real oh, quick, ahead. let me I, I just pulled up and this is just their one greatest hits album. And but this kind of hits all of their, you know, all of their their top hits. But let me just list. You did that list. Let me just list. These are the songs that Hall and Oates did. You ready? Sarah Smile, Rich Girl, uh, Kiss on My List, You Make My Dreams Come True, Private Eyes, I Can't Go For That, Did It In A Minute, Man Eater, One On One, Say It Isn't So, Adult Education, Out Of Touch, Med- Method Of Modern Love. Like, yeah, that's that's crazy. That body of work right there. Yes. But, you and know, that's, that's just their hits. Yes. You know? Yeah. And I, the craziest thing is, like, I can only name another three or four songs of theirs. Right. Yeah. Even. With, and again, I think they suffer from their own success because they had so many good songs. It's like by the time you listen to all their hits, you're like, yeah. All right. Let's go. I don't. I don't else. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Chip, what's you what's uh, give me one or two of your favorites. I, I mean, I, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I heard on an interview, Brandon Flowers from The Killers said that, like, everything you need to know about uh, so, uh, songwriting comes from what what song? Rich Did Girl. You? We're from Rich yeah, Girl. Yeah, I saw that. So I got to say Rich Girl and uh, I can't go for that. Those are my those are my tops. Jenny. Sarah Smile and. Um, yeah, I would guess. Uh, yeah, I can't go for that. Um, I always liked say it isn't so. Say it isn't so is great. And this is so. This is a this is a deep cut. It's like a Daryl Hall deep cut. Um, I I told you I watched that live at Daryl's house. Like fairly, I go on YouTube and seek it out. And there's they do an episode with Cheap Trick, and um, they do a song. They do two songs back to back right into each other. Mm-hmm. And I watch this, no lie, at least five times a week. It pumps me up so much. So it's Daryl Hall and Cheap Trick doing um, Hello There by Cheap Trick, which is, if you've ever seen Cheap Trick, they kick off every concert with the same song for 50 years now. Yeah, And then it goes into uh, someone that we were just talking about. Uh, Daryl Hall worked with Robert Fripp on one of Robert Fripp's albums and um, did a song called You Burn Me Up, I'm a Cigarette. So it's a Robert Fripp solo song that Daryl Hall co-wrote and I think did background vocals on. Yeah. If you go on to YouTube and and put in um, Daryl Hall, Cheap Trick, You Burn Me Up, I'm a Cigarette, it is one of like the fastest, punkiest uh, songs that gets you incredibly amped up and i thought like i knew 
I thought I knew like everything that you could know by, you know, Hall yeah. & Oates or Cheap Trick. And the first time I saw it on television was the first time I ever heard this song. And it fucking blows me away every time yeah. I hear it. I got to check that out. Uh, speaking of checking things out, I'm going to promote myself. Uh, a, a video that I did a couple bunch of years oh, ago yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with Tommy Pope and John McKeever. Uh, Deck the Hall & Oates on YouTube is uh we i i wrote just on a whim i just wrote a bunch of christmas songs to the uh melody of hall and oats tunes and then we turned it into a sketch where it was a fake uh commercial for a christmas album entitled deck the hall and oats so you can check that out on on the youtubes oh, yeah yeah i think we did a good job ken i think we did it. I, th I think we're i think we're out here proving why we're top 30. yeah Top 30, top 30 rock and roll podcasts of 2021. Look at us. <laughs> Face, I, do you remember what, what I, I should know the publication? I feel terrible. I don't. Uh, Feedspot. Feedspot. That's right. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't think Feedspot would lie. I, yeah. They're pretty. No, they would not. No. They're, no. they're, I, yeah. and I've definitely heard of them before this list. Yeah. Yeah. Jenny, what do you have coming up? Um, I'm at SOBs on Saturday. I'm doing a brunch show at SOBs, the legendary SOBs on, uh, Oh, that's such a cool venue. Yeah. I right? used to see De La Soul there. Oh, wow. They used to have so many great hip hop shows there. Talk about a, a good duo too, De La Soul. Yeah. Oh, they're not they were trio. They were Sorry. trio. I was thinking of, um, I was thinking of, um, uh, what was the one set adrift on memory friends? Oh, that's are you, are you serious? That's great. Uh, that's uh, 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 PM, PM, PM Dawn. Oh, my God. Yes, Which, oh, that's so funny. Shame, so, that yeah. So, here. so PM we we, awesome. we have Ming work in the boards, but usually we have um, Kahuna, who is Prince B's son from oh, PM wow. Dawn. From PM Dawn. So we, he, oh, he would have, he would have, uh, he would have cracked up hearing this. Yeah. Yeah. Me making that reference. Um, so yeah, I'm at SOBs and I'm just, you know, trying to do some, um, I, I'm, I, I'm doing this Instagram, uh, stories called sunny. She shed. And it's just me pretending to be sunny Austin. And I don't do it as often as I should, but now that I'm talking about it, I guess I got to put out a new episode this week. So, and, and where can we where can we find where you on Instagram? Find you? Instagram is the Little Brown Girl Show, the Little Brown Girl Show, all one word, the Little Brown Girl Show. All right, did you have fun? I had so much fun, and I've been trying. We've been trying to get me on this. I on this, on this I, I noticed that my tits look really good right here in this picture. In the picture. <laughs> <laughs> like um i've been trying to come on for such a long time and thank you thank you thank you yeah thank I would you love for coming to come on. Back on i can talk i have a bunch of new i bought i just got a i just got a, a record player and this nice. is all my vinyl right here nice um, nice uh so i've been listening to a lot of cool stuff and uh have me on for anything i would love to come on just to i'll wear pants next time <laughs> Well, thanks for coming. All right. Man. Thank you for coming on. Um, you can, uh, what do I have coming up? December 23rd, I'm headlining Stress Factory uh, in New Brunswick, New Jersey. A New Year's Eve, I am headlining Laugh It Up Poughkeepsie. And um, December 27th, come see me and Chip at Soul Jules. Soul Jules. Oh, at New Year's Eve, I'll also be at the Grizzly Pair. I'm headlining, I'm doing uh, three shows at the Grizzly Pair on New Year's Eve. So, Oh, that's great. That's great. 
Go see Jenny. All right. We'll see you next right. week. Thanks, everybody. Take care, everybody. Ciao. Your kiss is on my list. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>